You are listening to the 101st episode of Coffeehouse Questions. This is Ryan Pauly. Wow, I did not expect to get to this point. I'm going to take just a moment to share some of the highlights over the first 100 episodes of Coffeehouse Questions, uh, but then we are going to get to our topic on entertainment culture and how do we respond and, and think about the things uh, that we have in front of us, our phones, our music, and our movies. Uh, first of all, though, the first episode of Coffeehouse Questions was February of 2016. So coming up here soon on three years, but 100 episodes. And oh my goodness, it has been fun. Uh, quite the adventure. It started out with short little 10, 15 minute thoughts and turned into some 40 minute interviews, up to 30 minutes, back down to 15, now kind of back to the 30 minute mark uh, and everywhere in between. And so um, it's gone through a lot of changes, a few different cover photos that I, I think one of the funniest things uh, looking back was the, I mean, I'm a terrible designer, editor, creative person. I'm not that creative. I just repeat things that I've learned and things I study. But um, <laughs> my first cover photo, you can actually go back and still find it, I think. Uh, I just took a picture of a coffee mug sitting on a table and tried to Photoshop it and white out the lettering on the mug and then just typed Coffee House Questions podcast, I think, uh, on my computer. And uh, it was clearly not written on the mug. Uh, and very soon after that, someone graciously sent me a message on Facebook saying, hey, you need a new picture. Here's one. I made it for you. There you go. You're welcome. Um, now having the picture with my new wife, Emily, Coffeehouse Questions, actually taken in our engagement shoot. So uh, that's a little bit of a funny uh, beginning there. But uh, as some of you maybe know, it all started back with Jay Warner Wallace sitting in a class with him back in January of 2016 and him just saying, hey, go start a podcast. And I said, well, I don't know how to do that. And he goes, oh, it's easy. You can figure it out. Uh, and I went, oh, all right, I'll try and figure this out. And uh, and there it started. I downloaded a $10 app on my phone uh, to give myself some intro music and stuff and started recording with my headphones from my, uh, from my iPhone headphones. Uh, and now it has progressed into something different. Uh, now on 100.1 KGBA, uh, I've gone through Active Reliance Radio in the past and just different partnerships. And it's just been really cool to see. And so if you are new to listening uh, on KGBA or on podcast or you found it somewhere else, um, thank you. Thank you for everyone that has rated this on iTunes, who has shared it on social media, who has told their friends about it. I know that many, many people I hear um, hear about it through word of mouth. It's one of the best things. And I know a lot of times people go on social media and ask, what podcast are you listening to? And it's encouraging when you, the listeners, actually enjoy uh, what it is that I do and want to recommend it to your friends and your family and it just so encourages me. Uh, but I just wanted to mention, man, over the last 100 episodes, I was able to interview, I think if I counted this right, hopefully I didn't forget anyone, uh, 21 different people. Uh, many of them I recorded two or more episodes with, uh, but 21 different people. Um, my, one of my very first interviews was Dr. Sean McDowell, one of my professors, uh, interviewing Jay Warner Wallace, Dan Britton, Rose Polly, Megan Alman from Life Training Institute, Andy Bannister, and Alan Schleeman, and Greg Kokel from STR, and Ken Samples, and Jeff Swearwink, and Krista Bontrager, and Hugh Ross from Reasons to Believe. 
Also, Michael Sherrard, Neil Harden, Kendall Brewer, Brett Kunkel, Clay Jones, Craig Hazen, Eric Johnson, Jeff Myers from Summit, Melissa King-Travis, uh, and I think that kind of wraps up the list. So a lot of different people, fun conversations, and so it has been a blast. And so now here we are in episode 101. I didn't think I would make it this far. In fact, well, to be honest, I didn't even know uh, where it would go when it started. Uh, I wasn't even thinking about 100. It was, hey, can I get out one episode? Can I get out five? Uh, Is anyone going to listen? So it really has just been an encouragement, and I just want to take the time and thank you guys who are listening, uh, who have commented, rated, shared, uh, and just downloaded and, and just enjoy the content. I have so much fun doing it. I don't do it as much as I wish I could, uh, but I have fun and I'm glad that it keeps going and people keep listening. And so thank you so much. I really do appreciate that. So getting into our topic, uh, as I mentioned uh, in the past episode, I'm doing a few speaking events, and I had one last night where I talked to a high school youth group last night on the entertainment culture. Uh, specifically, they're going through a hard question series uh, where the students turned in questions, and they compiled all of the questions into about 15 or so different main topics, and then they are taking 15 weeks and going through the questions that the students have turned in. I mean, that is a great way, I think, to kind of do things and answer the questions that they actually have. So last night uh, was dealing with the question, does secular music brainwash you? That was the question that was turned in. And and I really took the approach looking at entertainment and amusement culture uh, in in general and, and how should we approach the information that is coming into us so that we're not brainwashed, so that we're not tricked into thinking uh, things that we don't believe. And, and it was it was fun. There was a good group there, and we had a great discussion. I just want to share some of the things that we talked about and some of those things that uh, are interesting on this topic, as well as things that I've been reading lately that have to go along with this. Because here's a few questions. Let me just start with this. Here's a few questions of that I asked the students. I said, you know, what role do you think the arts and entertainment amusement has had in your life? Has it shaped you for better or for worse? Interesting question as you get students to really deep dive deep and, and contemplate and think about uh, the role that it has had. Have you ever just put on your headphones and or so to speak and used entertainment and amusement as a way to avoid pain or people? And a lot of them admitted yes, right? That the entertainment and amusement is often used to avoid people. Um, how do you want to enjoy the arts and entertainment the rest of your life? Right? I, the entertainment, as we'll see, is not bad. So how do we want to enjoy it? How would we want to absorb content the rest of our lives uh, in a way that is helping us, that is benefiting us, that is enjoyment uh, without hurting? And to get them to think, what, what would be the goal of what we can do the rest of our lives? You know, oftentimes, though, students go, hey... R- Guys, relax. It's just entertainment. It's not a big deal. Uh, it's not affecting me. And this is often a question that I, or, or a statement that I made as a young person. It's just music. I don't really listen to the lyrics. It's, it's not affecting me. And in reality, though, it is, right? We understand that this is affecting us in incredible ways. Uh, entertainers know the power of their medium to deliver ideas. They are constantly delivering ideas and information through movies and through music because they know the power 
of delivering that information. Now, I posted on Facebook that I would be giving this talk, and there were some actually some really good comments made, and I and I do want to share some of these uh, with you. But uh, one uh, person immediately, Stefan Hoff, wrote off and goes, "Hey, music in any form is one of the most powerful influences on the human psyche. Whether it is active or passive listening, it will have an effect. Like anything, be vigilant and conscious of what enters your mind." That was my main point of be aware of what is entering your mind. So here's what I think we need to set up really quick here at the beginning. There are two definitions that are very important. Entertainment is actively designed, is an activity designed to hold the interest and attention of an audience. Entertainment is an activity designed to hold your attention. Amusement, on the other hand, is a state of being entertained without inspiring thought. Amusement, the state of being entertained without inspiring thought. And so as we move forward, what I want to hopefully look at is, is, look, entertainment is good. We should be entertained. There are things that are entertaining. Arts and entertainment are beautiful. However, hopefully we do not fall into the category of amusement where we are turning our brains off. We're not thinking about these things. Our minds go off and then we simply are just being entertained, but we're not thinking. It's not inspiring those thoughts because that's when the danger starts. You know, many people, and this happened, uh, you know, when I was young, and I remember talks like this in my school growing up, but many people take the approach of kind of drawing the line. Here's the line between good and and bad, all right, between good and evil. These things are bad. These things are good. Do good. Listen to good. Watch good. Don't do bad, right? Cursing, bad. Anything with bad words, bad. And we often take this line approach where we try to draw that hard line between good and evil. As easy maybe as that is sometimes, it's also very, very, very difficult of where is that line drawn and, and, and how then it, it's very blurry uh, on, on different behaviors and different actions. Instead, hopefully what I want to do is, is I want to be someone, and this is my goal with my students, is I want to be someone who desires what is true and what is good and what is beautiful. Right. It's kind of and I use this example often. It's, it's kind of like a foodie, a foodie, someone who just loves good food. And if you offer them trash and you offer them f- good food, they're going to pick the good food. Right. None of us are going to pick the trash. In fact, you don't have to be a foodie uh, to not pick the trash. We're not going to pick it. But a foodie just wants good food because it's just good. And hopefully we become people that we want good entertainment because it's just good. That we don't have to draw this hard line of don't eat bad stuff. And, and as Christians kind of come down against this is bad, this is bad, this is bad. But hopefully we train students to think about entertainment in a way where they actually desire what is good, what is true, what is beautiful. That becomes what they crave and they go after it. You know, it's, I mean, it's, it's like many rules. The moment you say don't walk on the grass, people want to walk on the grass, I don't know. That's just a, I don't know, a basic human instinct or something. I don't know, but it's what happens. The moment you say, don't listen to this music, all of a sudden people want to listen to it. Don't watch those movies. Well, why not? I kind of want to watch it now. Instead, trying to train students and help them see the benefit and the the goodness of, of true beauty and good entertainment to where they actually start desiring that and craving that. Now, hopefully we are critically evaluating all information that comes into our bodies, right? Just like food, you are not going to eat a random pile of goop 
from a complete stranger. If someone pulls up to you next next to you in a van, opens the door and says, hey, eat this. I don't know anyone be like, okay, sure, let's go for it. I don't think be like, oh, what is it? Who are you? No, thank you. Right? We're, we're, we want to look at, hey, what is the health rating for the restaurant? Did they get an A rating? They, it'd be, ooh, they got a B rating. I'm, maybe I don't want to eat here, right? We're very conscious. What are the fat content? What are the calories? What are the carbs like? What is this? What is that? I want to be eating healthy, right? We're trying to lose weight and all this kind of stuff. We are very conscious about the food that we put into our bodies, knowing that bad food will hurt us, make us sick, food poisoning, whatever. However, when it comes to information, we are not as careful about what we put into our bodies, right? The information that, that seeps into our minds, into our souls, we're not as careful. Even though hopefully from a Christian worldview, we recognize is just as important. So hopefully we stop turning our minds off, simply following kind of amusement culture, being uh, amused and become people who have our minds on and critically think about the information that is entering into our minds. And I will say this, though. This is not just with secular music. This is also, I think, it may be controversial, but with Christian music and Christian-produced things. And I'm going to share that example uh, that I have just this week reading from a devotional. But one thing that we can look at is we look at, well, what does amusement culture do to us? Well, first of all, amusement can relieve stress. It brings us happiness, right? If you're like me, man, after a long day of work, you get home, you want to just turn on the TV, turn your mind off, not think about anything and sit there and be amused. It's wonderful. However, amusement culture does a few things to us for different things that I talked about with the students last night. And I want to share with you guys right now. The first one is that amusement culture enslaves our affections. It can deaden our moral responsiveness, especially in the areas of sexuality, right? That we, Princeton University did a study that showed that when viewing pictures of scantily clad women, it activated the tool use part of men's brains, causing them to view women as objects to be used rather than people to be loved. And then we see, and how this enslaves our infections, is that we see our affections gradually shifting with people who are, are addicted to amusement. Their affections are gradually shifting from companionship to defiance, from respect to disrespect, from helplessness to aggression, and from other-centeredness to self-centeredness. Right, that when you have this addiction and people ask you to do something, let's say the parents say, hey, can you take out the trash? Can you clean your room? They are taking you away from the thing that you are addicted to, and this will cause anger. This will cause disrespect. This will cause aggression, right? Because we become so focused on ourselves. Social media can be wonderful. I'm going to be posting this episode on Facebook and Instagram, and I do questions a day and all that kind of stuff on Instagram, and social media can be wonderful. However, it can also, if not checked, turn into and help us, or not help us, but cause us to fall into kind of the self-centered way of thinking, that everything revolves around us and everyone cares about what we are doing and what we are, are eating and, and all of that sort of stuff. When we view scantily clad pictures of women and men's tool use part of their brain gets turned on and they start to see women as objects, it's not just that. But in everything, when we begin to place things above God, 
and we have these things, our idols that we worship above God, then we start to see those things as as the objects. And then people become objects to be used to, to get more things. And everything comes becomes about our life and this self-centered way of living and thinking of how can I get more stuff? And we start using people to get more stuff. It starts to enslave our infections. It's causing us to become self-centered, aggressive, and defiant rather than the person that God has called us to be, which is a servant, to love one another, to love God and love your enemy as yourself. The second thing that amusement culture does to us is it makes us restless, right? Everything is trying to grab your attention and everything is claiming to be worthy of your attention. The cat videos on YouTube to the breaking news reports on the TV to text messages to Instagram notifications and Snapchat videos. Everything is saying, look, watch me, watch me. I am worthy of your time. And we have a very limited amount of time to give. And when we are addicted to this and we're constantly being entertained and constantly being having this information thrown at us, what happens is that we begin to feel like it is the obligation of others to grab our attention. And if they don't, it's their fault, right? Your job becomes to, your job is now to entertain me. And this often happens with conversations, and the students admitted it last night, that when they're, they'll be sitting down right in front of their friend, and their friend will just take out their phone and start looking at it. And I think, and maybe I'm wrong here, but I think, in effect, what they're saying is, look, you are not entertaining enough, right? If you were talking about something that I enjoyed, if you were entertaining me, if you were making this exciting, I wouldn't need my phone. But the fact that I need something else to supplement the amusement right now, to supplement the entertainment, to supplement this conversation, to to grab my attention. I need more, right? And it's starting to make us restless. We always need more. And sitting down face-to-face, we can't do it anymore. And I've had students flat out tell me, yeah, if the person is boring me, I'm done. Right? This happens often, you know, in church, in high school classes. Uh, You know, it's, it's, man, I lost attention. That's your fault as a speaker. If you can't hold my attention, it's your fault. Rather than saying, look, wow, I can't focus on someone in a conversation and I have to constantly be entertained and I have to constantly be getting something new, something new, something new to activate me. Man, maybe I am the broken one. Maybe there's something actually wrong with me. Second thing is that amusement culture makes us restless. Third thing is that entertainment or amusement culture can destroy our contentment, right? Contentment, the virtue of being calm and satisfied rather than always demanding more. A good question to ask here is, how are we at being alone? When your phone gets broken, when you are on vacation and you have no cell phone service, how are you? Can you be alone? Can you just be in the car without music, radio, or anything on in your own thoughts, your bedroom, wherever? Oftentimes, we struggle, teenagers struggle and just being alone. Finally, the last thing here that I have is that amusement culture makes us angry, right? Kind of like the first thing I shared, but also studies have been done that mean messages were not only posted more, but shared more often. And they also found, they did a study where they took uh, the preteens, they took away their devices for five days, and they found that these students who had no device for five days were more tuned into how others felt, So if not having your device makes us more relational, 
makes us more, makes you more in tune to the feelings of other people, then we understand the risk of having devices. They dull our sensitivity towards other human beings, right? These, this is something to think about. So what do we do? What, how can we respond? Well, I think it's important. We need to have our minds turned on, right? The first thing I shared is that we focus on truth, goodness, and beauty. What is true? What is good? And what is beautiful about the information that we are learning, right? I, I talked about uh, uh, examples from The Prestige, one movie, right? It talks about what is true, that, that uh, it is true that revenge can destroy you, right? The power of revenge over someone's life. It's a great movie. If you haven't seen it, I highly suggest it. What does it say is good? It talks about the goodness of family. And, the mu- and then the movie is beautifully crafted and structured with plot twists and turns, providing this story that just grabs your attention. It is good. I, I, I often play the beginning opening scenes from Up, right? And maybe I'll put, a, I'll put the YouTube link in my show notes. But those opening scenes about, it shows, you know, the, the man and the woman, they get married, they have a life, they want to have kids, and they find out they can't, and the disappointment of that, and then they save up for vacation, but flat tires and broken legs keep them from doing that. And it leads to the very end of the movie where they're finally going to go on that vacation. And if you've seen it, you know what happens. But it talks about, look, what is true? What is good? Good is, is finding that person to spend life, the true love, those sort of things. It, it reflects on human nature and causes you to think deeper about life. It's not distracting you from life. It's causing you to think about life and, and what is most important and, and, and thinking through the difficulties and, and the hard news that we get. It causes you to think deep and that is good. The main thing that I want students to learn in this is, is learn discernment. Learn the difference between what is true, good, beautiful, and what isn't, right? Find things that, that agree with Scripture. Find things that agree with your views of reality. And here's where I have a, a few different examples. And I think, uh, again, going back to the Facebook comments, uh, Nicholas Billing also commented, and he made a great point. He says, also, uh, does worship music brainwash you? I don't know. There's some cops going by right now, but hopefully the sirens aren't too loud. Uh, but does worship music brainwash you? So many people get their theology from worship songs, right? Are you even thinking critically about the Christian information that is going into you? Clay Jones right, wrote in, says, it may not be brainwashing, but it sure will be a negative influence. Right? We are being influenced by thoughts, both good and bad. So here I want to read uh, a few things. Uh, first is actually uh, some lyrics um, from a song. So the other day I was listening to a song in my car radio. In my, in my car radio. No, I'm not in the car radio. I was listening to a song in my car on the radio. And uh, it, it was just a random radio station playing a random song. And it was a song by Logic. The title of the song is 1-800-273-8255, which is the suicide prevention hotline. And I'm listening to this, and, and the beginning part of the song says, I don't want to be alive. I want to die tonight. And I'm sitting there listening, and all of a sudden I went, oh, my goodness. Like, I don't, yeah, I want to be alive. I don't want to die tonight, right? What am I listening to? I disagree with this. What am I listening to? Now, it's interesting as you begin to look deeper into the song, well, it is talking about someone who is depressed, who is going through these difficulties, and then comes out of it 
and then wants to live at the end of the song. And so it's this suicide prevention, great message. The music video also then presents some interesting ideas where the music video is saying the reason why this person is depressed, or at least in the video, is because of homophobia. And that uh, coming out in, in a gay relationship and the parents and the dad disapproving. And at the very end, he was able to marry his partner. And then all of a sudden he wants to live and his dad is accepting of it and they adopt a child. So it's interesting, just the information and, and the messages that are being presented. But I'm just sitting there in my car, almost kind of singing along to it. And I don't want to die. And I was, no. What am I doing? I need to think about the information that is coming into my mind. One song that I think does this very well, one thing that we can do as Christians is we can redeem entertainment. So one group, and not everyone, of course, loves every group, but 21 Pilots uh, is a band. Now, this is not a Christian band. However, some of the members are Christian. And what they do is they sing about very true, real things about life. And so they have a song titled Car Radio. And it says in the very beginning of the song, someone stole my car radio and now I sit in silence. And he says, sometimes the quiet is violent. I find it hard to hide it. My pride is no longer inside. It's on my sleeve. My skin will scream, reminding me of who I killed inside of my dream. I hate this car that I'm driving. There's no hiding from me. I'm forced to deal with what I feel. There's no distraction to mask what is real. I could pull the steering wheel fascinating idea here as we as we look at this of isn't that so true using entertainment to distract us from what we feel to mask what is real he goes on in the songs and he says this faith is to be awake and to be awake is for us to think and for us to think is to be alive wow the god created us to be thinking beings thinking individuals and if we're not thinking, we're not doing what God has created us to do. I love that, that, that we are called to be awake, alert, aware of what's going on around us, what's going on inside of us. And we need to think about those things and to think is to be alive. But oftentimes, look, that car radio breaks, you have to sit in silence and it's hard. It's, it's difficult because we don't like to think through these things. Just this week, I'm, I'm reading a, uh, an Advent devotional in the morning. And I want to share something that I was reading out of this devotional in the last couple of minutes that we have. It says here, if he, and this is talking about Jesus, had given signs as was demanded of him, they would have believed him. But at the point where it really mattered, he held back and that it created a, the scandal. Yet everything depends on this fact. If he answered the Christ question addressed to him through a miracle, then the statement would no longer be true that he became a human being like us. For then there would be, have been an exception at the decisive point. If Christ had documented himself with miracles, we would naturally believe, but then Christ would not be our salvation. For then there would not be faith in the God who became human, but only the recognition of an alleged supernatural fact. But that is not faith. Only when I forgo visible proof do I believe. Wow, there's so much to talk about that we don't have time. Maybe we can hit this in the next episode. But this idea of if he would have just done a miracle, they would have believed. No, he did tons of miracles and the people didn't believe. He raised Lazarus from the death and they tried to kill him. Jesus did many miracles right in front of them. And then he says right here, everything depends on this fact. If Christ had answered the question he addressed through a miracle, then the statement would no longer be true that he's a human being like us. Well, 
Of course not. He is a human being, but he's also God and giving him these supernatural abilities. And humans can also do miracles. We saw miracles in the life of the disciples. And then I think it's interesting. It says here that if Christ had documented himself with miracles, we would naturally believe, but then Christ would not be our salvation. Look at the, in the ending of John. John says Christ did so many miracles and the, the works of Christ could fit all the books of the world. He did so much that is not included. If Christ, but then here, if Christ had not documented himself with miracles, then he would not be our salvation because we would just be trusting in a supernatural fact. No, it is the supernatural facts that lead us to understand that Jesus is God. And that is why we believe in him. It is not when we forego visible proof that we believe in God. It is because of the proof and understanding who God is that we believe in who he is. So we might have to pick up some of these ideas and concepts in the next show, but hopefully we become people that turn our minds on and are aware of the information, both from secular and Christian sources that come into us, so that we are not led astray by these ideas, but we think critically about what is coming into us. And this is how we should engage the entertainment of our culture today. Well, hopefully you have enjoyed the show. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for making the first 100 episodes better. Hopefully we can have many, many more episodes of Coffee House Questions. Thank you. Send in those comments and questions at contact at coffeehousequestions.com for the email address. You can also write in on Instagram or Twitter at ryanpolly 3 facebook.com slash coffeehousequestions, or text them in at 714-989-6927. Thank you so much for listening to Coffee House Questions. Sip coffee. Think deeply. This is Ryan Polly. Won't hesitate to follow Your love will guide me